It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, then all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities, and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for April 5th, 2020. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Yes, indeed. Needless to say, all the news and current events are about the coronavirus. And uh, uh, a couple of thoughts I had that I, that I want to share. Uh, even though this is a... Uh, global pandemic, you know, it's a personal problem for those that, you know, for, for everyone, for every individual. And I remember overhearing uh, 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 someone asking a Buddhist minister, you know, when they have personal problems, you know, what, what are they supposed to do? And he said, well, you look to the Dharma. Now, I don't know. Uh, the specifics of this, okay? But this is why you got personal problems? Okay? Look to the Dharma. In other words, it, it's a way of getting some distance from your internal personal problem and seeing <clears throat> whatever it means, look to the Dharma, okay? To, give, to get some kind of perspective of your personal problem, okay? So the Dharma is available, okay? Uh, so depending upon the person, of course, a PPT, I call it, person, place, and time, uh, the specifics uh, depend on upon the person, of course. Okay? It depends upon the context that they're in, and it depends upon time. That is, what is looking to the Dharma 
now might not might be a different kind of looking to the Dharma next week, next month, next year. Huh? So <clears throat> that kind of uh, PPT person, place, and time is a way is a nice uh, nugget in which we when we want to know what to do. Okay, it's not a one size fits all. Okay, say so, well, let me see. Okay. We we don't make judgments for our, on ourselves or others, okay, without taking into consideration PPT. Okay, that's just my acronym. Okay, <clears throat> what is what our morals are, what our ethics are, what you know, what advice is to be made depends upon the particular person. Is it a young person? Is it an old person? Is it you know, <clears throat> what's their situation? Okay, the place. What's appropriate behavior in one context is not in another, obviously. Depends upon that, the place. And then reality flows and truth flows with it. Time. If you hold on to some personal truth that helped you a few years ago, it may not help you now. Or maybe you have to say, well, i got to be creative about how I apply it or something. <laughs> uh, whatever that means to the person. Okay, But that was, you know, because when you're all wrapped up and then you say, well, i got to go, I'll go see my minister. The minister says, well, hey, yeah, it's a personal problem, but you look to the Dharma. And sometimes that's all it, that all it means is all it takes. You, you point to that, to that gateless gate. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what these teachings are for. Okay. However, they're going to implement it, okay, according to PPT. Now, the other <clears throat> thought I had was something, again, that I overheard. Uh, you know, sometimes you go to a conference or a gathering, and the ministers are hanging out in the maybe the host minister's office or something like this. And those are the times when you hear you hear things over here, uh, conversations, ministers are tremendous source of resource. They have a lot of life experiences, our colleagues. Okay. And also this could hold for truth seekers for students of the Dharma. You know, when you're hanging out at some kind of a function and you're just kicking back or something, sometimes you know, when someone says, <laughs> oh, sensei, can I, can I talk to you? As you're walking to the restroom, your ears better perk up because this is going to be, this could be something important and significant. Say, uh, you, you got a minute? <laughs> or, you know, uh, this is um, one where I was at a New York Buddhist church, their 60th uh, anniversary of their founding. I don't even remember when this when this was a few decades in the past, and the resident minister there, he was from Japan, and he, uh, for this occasion, 60th anniversary of the temple, he's the resident minister there. He asked his teacher in Japan to come and be a guest speaker, and he only spoke Japanese, and they they had a translator there. Um. Reverend Tayuno, who he, he, you know, the late 
Taiuno, he's a brilliant translator. I mean, he listens to the minister talk, and then boom, he just says it in English. You know, that, that's he's so he's so flu, fluent, okay, in both Japanese and English, okay. Uh, so he, this is the way the presentation was, and afterwards there's a Q and A, and one of the New York uh, congregation members asked the question, you know, <clears throat> at work or or socially, uh, <clears throat> you hear people talking and maybe a member of a person's family, a child or something has a serious illness. And then uh, if both of these people are Christian, then one of them might say to that person, oh, you know, okay, I'm going to pray for you. You know, maybe they're saying goodbye or something. He says, you know, I hope everything works out. You know, I'm going to pray for you. So the, the question he asked was as Buddhists, what can we do or say to our fellow Buddhists that are having problems. Okay. What, what's our response? Are we going, is that what we're supposed to say? You know, uh, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, the use of the word prayer, of course, is is a loaded one. Okay. Uh, if prayer means expressing your innermost wish, that that's okay, I suppose. But if it's petitionary prayer, where you're looking to some deity, omnipotent, you know, uh, creator, and of course, that's not not the Buddhist teaching. So what are Buddhists going to do? Okay, and and I I was struck by when this was translated to the to the visiting guest speaker. Right away, he said, "Tap into any friends that you have that are in the medical profession." Or, you know, anything like this that could be of help to that sick child, okay? Uh, think about if you know any, you know, your personal physician, inquire with him about this situation or whether he knows any resources. Uh, I was struck by that. Uh, we're not talking about isms, Buddhism or Catholicism. You know, this is humanistic this is um, something beyond the label of a religion. If a friend, family member, whatever, uh, it, there's a very pragmatic basis there. I said, you know, hey, you know. Uh, so anyway, uh, those were a couple of thoughts I had because, you know, we're in the midst of a crisis now. And even though... Uh, well, here's a here's a third one. Uh, I remember a minister was talking. You know, this is again in a sort of a relaxed social kickback situation, and guy says, "Yeah, a lot of uh, people, non-Buddhist, you know, so-called converts, they came to Buddhism because of personal problems." And he said, uh, he he was telling a story about how one of such members came and said to the Buddhist minister. Oh man, you know, I really got these problems, personal problems, and the minister's listening in. He says, "Yeah, that is pretty rough, you know. You just got to carry on and keep going." And the guy said, "Oh yeah, but it's so it's so difficult, sensei. I, you know, man, I can't." And 
then the minister's listening and he says, yeah, that's right. Uh, man, it's tough. And, you know, you, uh, he might've said something like, well, I looked to the Dharma or something. Okay. But the, the speaker said, no, yeah, since I know, but you know, geez, uh, just kept saying this. He went back and forth. And then finally the minister said, gee, uh, don't you know the Buddha's secret of how to enjoy your suffering? And the, and the, and the speaker said, uh, you know, that what? Enjoy my suffering? I've been pouring myself out and, you, you know. Um, and the minister went on to explain, okay, first of all, of course, there's no Buddha's secret. And although they use use the word enjoy your suffering, that that's probably a problematic word. Okay, maybe it's better to say, don't you know, the fundamental Dharma teaching of becoming one with your suffering, or something like this, where you you create a culture of engagement with your suffering. You don't have you don't. Uh, Engage in any escapism, denial, okay? Again, it's a very pragmatic thing, okay? You look at your suffering, see, you know? Uh, broaden your context of it. Well, last few years, I've been talking about the Buddhist concept of takkan, T-A-K-K-A-N, takkan, which means wide perspective, or philosophical perspective, okay, or spiritual perspective. And that's what we need when we're emotionally involved in a personal problem, okay. And this pandemic, of course, could is a personal problem for all of us. How can we use the, look to the Dharma to widen our perspective? Um, <clears throat> now, <laughs> one last thought that association that comes to my mind is that uh, uh, some decades ago um, there was a it was was a flyer and it was also on t-shirts about the bumper sticker saying shit happens and they and they they said well how do the major world religions respond to that and this is it was sort of kind of you know humorous, but I said, okay, Judaism says, you know, when shit happens, we say, why does this shit always happen to us? Or if Protestantism says, well, when shit happens, hey, you deserved it. Okay, maybe that was Catholicism, I don't know. Okay. But the uh, Hinduism, I think, was when this shit, shit happens, well, said, this, yeah, this shit happened before, you know, kind of like a reincarnation type thing. But Buddhist... Here's the Buddhist response. These these little these little encapsulated things have a little grain of truth in it. Okay. It said for the Buddhists, it said when shit happens, it's not really shit. Now, <laughs> the way I would capsul- encapsulate this, my phrase is, you know, when we talk about BM, okay, bow movement, well, BM, okay, shit. BM could stand for Buddha movement. Now, a way of looking at suffering as an opportunity uh, to to grow spiritually, not in spite of the problem, 
but because of it. Huh? So the crisis, again, this was a, a, a another association just came to my mind. You know, crisis in Japanese, I don't remember what, what the pronunciation is, but uh, two Chinese written characters. Together, when they occur together, it means crisis. And when you look at one character by itself, it means uh, 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 danger. You know, this is dangerous time. Feelings, emotion is a time of danger. The other character, I think the literal meaning is like a tunnel. There's there's a there's a uh, there's an escape tunnel. There's an opportunity. Okay. So the crisis consists of those two, two independent Chinese written characters with their own meaning putting together danger and opportunity. And sometimes the danger part, you know, our, our tremendous emotional pain uh, clouds our perspective and narrows it down to like a, you know, telescopic thing. It says, ah, oh, man, can we? okay. So takan, meaning, you know, uh, perspective it says uh, well <laughs> again you have to excuse me but my mind is such that I think of another association the palm of your hand I'm looking at the palm of my hand and the fingers are our relative world one finger is on top of another and if you're climbing a ladder you know, you might be a novice uh, Buddhist seeker, and then on the top finger is, 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 the, is the Roshi, the Zen master, or the guru, or Lama, or whatever. And so I said, well, okay. So this is how you progress. This is comparison. This is discrimination. This is, you know, value judgments. So I, I want to, you know, this is what life is about. Got to get ahead, and so forth. But, and this is a talk that I heard a monk give on the top of Mount Hia when I was in Japan. Uh, Mount Hia is uh, uh, the center of Tendai Buddhism, and it sits right outside of uh, the city of Kyoto. Um, and uh, there was an organization that was sponsoring a, a Buddhist retreat that for that weekend. And again, there, w- there was a, a Tendai monk giving a talk in and he didn't speak English, so there was a translator. But he put his hand like this, and and he said, but each finger is attached to the palm of your hand. The palm is non-differentiation. It sort of represents the absolute, whereas the fingers represent the relative. You know, we, in the world of comparison and value judgments, but the basis of that, the ground, I guess, the foundation, okay, is this undifferentiated solid palm of your hand. And I remember one of, when I talked about this, one of the persons who was listening to this took it to uh, personalize it. And when he had a problem, he would slap his hand, okay, his palm with one hand, slap it like that and say, Takan. And then say his name. Okay. Tak, if my name is Koyo, I say, Takan Koyo, Takan. As a way of saying, hey, you know, in this time of crisis, 
widened my perspective, looked at the Dharma. Okay? Not that you can't make this shit go away. It's it's happened. Okay? And I always talk about this too when someone says, Oh, they got angry or something. Oh, I gotta you know, I'm 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 a, I'm, am I a bad Buddhist because I, I got, I lost it and I and I got angry when that person cut in front of me when I was driving or something. Okay, <laughs> you don't have to take away anything. What you want to do is add something to the situation, add a little wisdom. Okay, so you, you you're not a failure if you showed anger, ignorance, uh, or greed or whatever. But if you can stop yourself and say, you know, look to the Dharma, okay, what can I add? Not that you're supposed to get rid of these negative emotions, but when you add wisdom to it, what happens? Well, they probably get less frequent episodes like that, less magnitude when they do occur. And you forget, and you and you can forget about them a little bit quicker than before. Okay? But don't make the mistake of saying, "Oh, oh I'm, I was trying to be serene and calm and everything and tranquil, and then this happened, and bam, I I saw red, and I, you know, oh, I failed." You know, okay. So uh, when shit happens, it's not really shit. Okay? It's an opportunity. Yeah, there's danger. Okay. The intense emotions, but takan, widen your perspective, look at the Dharma, whatever that might mean for a particular individual. Okay, man, I was going on and on. I'm going to give a guest who's here with us live, David Sun, lives in Salt Lake City in Utah, and he's part of our current LM12B group. And let's hear from David Sun. Well, thank you very much, Reverend Kabosi. It's This is not the first time I've followed discussion about shit, so I'll have you know that right to start with. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so so much for letting me uh, look look to the Dharma um, for wisdom and perspective. And um, I think during this whole crisis, so many of us have been doing that. Um, I have been a, a school counselor been a mental health counselor for many, many years. And um, each year in April, we uh, go and visit the Utah Museum of Fine Arts. And this will be the first year in, I'll bet you it's been probably 12 or 13 years that we haven't been able to get together because of the coronavirus and meet and, uh, and visit this museum and look at all the beautiful paintings and the beautiful artwork. And uh, it's been so fun because years past, that's always been a get together for you know, old people that I haven't seen in, in a long time uh, and new and, and make new uh, friends and so on and so forth. <clears throat> but this year we haven't been able to do that. And so um, my idea was to, instead of that, look to Buddhist art. And um, I've been suggesting to folks, and I've been doing it myself, that uh, our acronym Buddhist art is appreciation and realization and transformation. And those are the things we've been applying to our everyday life as we've been stuck, you know, the highlight of our days are going on walks. And uh, that's what I've been trying to do on my daily walk. And uh, as I've been going along, I try to change up the path a little bit, but it's kind of the same, 
the same route most of the time. And uh, as I'm going along now, I'm starting to find the appreciation in the imperfections. Um, I love the idea, the Buddhist idea of imperfection. And, uh, and so as I'm walking along now, I notice where fences have been mended, where they once had broken down, and bricks that are out of place in the walkways are the stepping stones that are crooked and out of place. Um, but mostly I have noticed, uh, because we're coming into spring now, I've noticed uh, all of the weeds that are starting to pop up in the cracks between the sidewalks and where the street and the gutters meet and places like that. And um, I have noticed as I'm walking along that the tulips and all the other beautiful flowers are starting to come up just where people have carefully placed them exactly where they want them to be. But the dandelions and the weeds have actually popped up wherever they want. They've grown in the places and no one would expect them to grow. And they're resilient. They don't demand to be noticed, but they like to be in a place that they've chosen. And so over these past couple, three weeks, I have realized that my expectations of normal are what have been causing me the most anxiety. I go to places expecting things to be a certain way, and then they're not. Um, I noticed even during my walks, I pass a little neighborhood area that has stores and things along the path, and it's very unusual to find them completely empty and, and dark, and I find that to be kind of troubling, and it sets me a little bit off-center. And I've also noticed, you know, the lines at the grocery stores and the, the runs on different things, uh, you know, grocery items that people are making such a big deal of, like the toilet paper. And uh, I notice that each time I do that, I get a little bit anxious. And uh, in kind of unwinding it and thinking about it, I realize that I've kind of come to expect things to go the way I have planned. And things don't always go the way you plan. And so kind of like the carefully placed tulips, I expect everything to kind of go just where I want it to go. And when it doesn't go that way, then I get a little bit shaken and I get off my course a little bit. And so my transformation as I'm going along now is just being more like weeds. That's become my mantra for the last little while. Be more like the weeds. Letting go of rigid expectations of normal and finding and appreciating the light and the life in the cracks and the, and the places that no one really notices, uh, just like the weeds. And it's funny because as I was coming home yesterday, I was thinking about this exact talk that we were going to have today. And I went into my uh, bookshelf and started digging around. And I actually, it was funny when you said this earlier today, because I found a quote by Tai Uno in his book, River of Fire and River of Water. And it reminded me of, of my art or my realization and transformation of what I've been doing. And I thought you, all of you, might enjoy this quote. Let me share it with you. Uh, Reverend Uno says, Pure Land Buddhism is the transcendence into the opposite world, the self-awakening to the immersion in the swamp of anger, jealousy, insecurity, fear, addiction, arrogance, hypocrisy. It was only natural that pure land teaching was originally welcomed, especially by those of the lower classes, 
seen as unredeemable in the eyes of the privileged. But among this worthless debris and discarded refuge, a rich spirituality is cultivated, endowing a person with endless energy and boundless vitality. Shin Buddhism comes alive for those who live in the valley and in the shadows. It challenges people to discover the ultimate meaning of life in the abyss of the darkness of ignorance. And after I read that, I said, that's being more like a weed. And so I have been trying to be more like a dandelion and and adapting to my situation as of late. And maybe all the rest of you can do the same. Uh, In my closing, I would like to share with you six things that we've come up with during this quarantine time. Um, They've worked well for me. Uh, Maybe this is something that all of you would like to practice as well. The six different things that we're working on uh, are questions to ask each day when we wake up. And the first one is, what am I grateful for today? And the second one is, who am I checking in on or connecting with today? It's very important that we keep the lines of communication open with other people and find likeness, right? Uh, The third one is the one I have been Struggling with the most. What expectations of normal am I letting go of today? The fourth one is, how am I getting outside today? Moving my body is the fifth one. What am I doing to get some exercise? I don't want to just sit around all day. Move outside and do something. And the sixth one is, what beauty am I creating, cultivating, and noticing today? So I hope everyone out there is happy and well today. And I hope that these six little questions might help you uh, as we wander through this thing where we have no really natural ending, but we know that all things are impermanent. And so this too shall come to an end. So thank you all very much for listening to my Dharma glimpse. Uh, Thank you, Reverend Kabosi. It's been an honor to be able to sit with you today and, and share with people. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. You know, as I listen to the, the Star Glimpse, uh, I revisit the the I I open I empty my mind and I just revisit whatever is uh, sparked off, triggered off by what is being said, and uh, uh, I I get renewed with my own personal teachings from my own PPT for me. Um, my past experiences and everything, um, I was reminded of, uh, you know, when you talk about flowers and weeds and growing things, I'm I'm working on my garden, you know, vegetable garden right now and everything, but uh, there was a experience I had, uh, again, that's so much my age, but whenever I say, well, you know, a few years ago, well, a few decades ago, uh, I was walking my dog Sunday morning, kind of quiet, and uh, this was in North Carolina, and uh, and the dog took me to this, uh, it was kind of like a empty lot, uh, kind of junky, you know, bits of concrete, chunks and stuff, but the dog, I'm just following the dog, and and then he, we went to the corner of of this lot where, you know, it's, it's not near the sidewalk or something, and not very visible place, but there was this morning glory, and he, this morning glory was blossoming out full. 
uh, his, and my first thought was, golly, morning glory, you, 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 you're, you're so, you know, blooming 100%, but, but nobody's here to see, to, to appreciate you. But then as soon as I thought that, immediately I said, hey, that doesn't matter to this morning glory. He doesn't care about, hey, is somebody appreciating me or, you know, so forth, or why am I in this spot, you know, why am I not in the in a prominent place in a big old flower arrangement show or something. He was just blossoming out like, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I was reminded of that when you're going to be like a weed or uh, and things like this. Um, and then I remember an article about my father. He was talking about a summer festival. The temple had a fundraiser every summer. And uh, one part of it is um, flower arrangement teachers made arrangements. Maybe they might have uh, half a dozen or a dozen uh, exhibit uh, of these flower arrangement teachers. And uh, um, he was... My father was writing an article about one year when he, he noticed that one of the flower arrangement teachers, he was admiring her arrangement, uh, and there was this kind of like a dead leaf in a very prominent place on the top of the flower arrangement. And it struck him that this flower arrangement teacher didn't cut off that dead leaf, you know, this is an imperfection, right? I mean, you could call it that, but it's the naturalness of it, of, that this was a part of the branch and the, everything that was part of this arrangement. And there was this little dead leaf there that you couldn't help but notice. And so in the article, my father said, well, hey, <laughs> you know, there's a great teaching there. Huh? Just like the maple leaf falling down in the autumn, showing front, showing back. Mm-hmm. We always want to show the front. You go to the backyard, back porch, and you know, it's all junkied up. Huh? <laughs> and just like the monk that was traveling, and he saw this maple leaf falling, and that's the teaching he received. So that's where his mind was. Huh? He said, I want to show my good side as a, as a monk. See? I mean, there's spiritual materialism here, too, right? So... But look at that leaf, so natural. See, front, back. I don't want to show my back. I want to show how, you know, spiritual I am. And the same thing, then I remembered another article probably was in Tricycle about someone that was sharing, uh, it was a student of Maizumi Roshi in L.A. They were getting ready for a big uh, ceremony or something like that, and she was in charge of setting it up, and she was um, taking some teacups that was going to be used, and she dropped one, and it broke. And she panicked, you know, said, well, man, uh, uh, maybe I, can I get an express order from Japan to get a replacement for this cup? And she went to Maizumi Roshi and, you know, all, all upset, and Maizumi Roshi said, use that broken cup. That's the one that has the greatest value. You know, these, these kind of things really um, – uh, have a teaching. So when you talk about imperfections, yeah. Uh, and, you know, because of the virus, usually we have our lay minister induction ceremony uh, in May, third week in May, but we postponed it this year to the, to the last weekend in August 
because of the virus. And um, uh, so we have three LM12 groups, A, B, and C. Okay? David signed in LM12B. And uh, when people come at the end of August for induction to Bright Down Center here, uh, there was a, a prior, uh, maybe it was LM2, I guess. He lives in Seattle area. He, he had a friend who was an artist that was worked in uh, rock, uh, Slate, and made made things. And he said, could you give me the Chinese characters, the kanji for for your father, Gryomei? That's his Dharma name, the, the two characters for it. And so I did. And so he had his friend carve out in a little uh, small slate uh, tablet, maybe two inches by four inches. And he said, Gyome, the two characters. And he said, this, you know, I want to give this gift to you, okay? Your, your father's Dharma name, Gyome. And there was, a, there was a hole, drilled hole on the top and bottom of this two-inch by four-inch slab of slate. And so I said, well, I'm going to, you know, mount this up someplace, okay, appropriate place. So I looked at our, we have a little spot, we call it. Uh, uh, the prior owners of our property, uh, they, were in, they were in construction industry, and they had some, uh, he had three little girls, and he built a playhouse for them. Um, and we turned this playhouse into a little, kind of like a small, that's about 10 by 12 feet. And uh, uh, we call it a spot, SPLT, Special Place of Tranquility. You know, so if someone wants to ever go in there, you know, you know, and hold maybe half a dozen people there. But anyway, I, w- I was going to mount this little two-inch by four-inch slate, Guillaume, at the entrance. And so I got two nails, and I nailed in one to the top hole, and then when I nailed it in to the bottom hole, I guess the surface that I was mounting it on, you know, uh, uh, the the border that goes around the door, you know, the sill there, uh, was uneven. And so when I was trying to put in that second nail, it put some pressure on this slate, and it cracked it. Broke it right in half. Wow. <laughs> I'm devastated. I said, man, I was trying to mount this thing up, and slate is brittle, you know? And I said, oh, man. And then, so anyway, later on, when we built the sanctuary, and I had saved this broken two pieces of slate, and I said, well, I'm going to put this up uh, at the entrance to the sanctuary, you know, right on the door sill there. And, uh, you know, and and it's broken in half. So, I, so you, so you kind of put push it together. You got to kind of look a little bit carefully to see that it's broke. But I mounted it up there, and I'm just mentioning this now because if LM12 comes for induction, I don't know if I, I never I don't talk about this you know as a usual topic, but maybe the word could spread. And when LM12 inductees come, if you look at that little slate two inch by four inch at the entrance to the sanctuary where the induction ceremony will be held, you'll notice that it's broken in half. And then you can remember about these imperfections. Hey, hey, that's all for today's broadcast. Thank you very much. And until next time, keep going. And you have a 
beautiful day. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.